Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. All right, how we doing? I didn't, I didn't know they were recording me at the gym. I snuck that footage into the, the promo video without my permission. Anyway, it's good to see you guys and uh, hope that you're glad to be in church today. How are we all doing? You're good. South Campus, good to see you guys and uh, hope that you're having an awesome day. I really can't see you guys, but it's a thing you say. Um, hey, happy March. We, we did it. We survived January and February. I feel like we should get like little participant ribbons. Like if like every time you survive a maritime winter, there should be a small ceremony and like everyone applauds and yeah, like well done. Unless, unless you went south, yeah. right? Like if you got to go further south than Portland, Maine, no, you cheated. You couldn't hack it. You're not as strong as the rest of us are. And I'm not saying we're necessarily stronger, but I stayed in the province the whole winter thus far. So maybe it just means I'm more broke. I don't know. But anyway, we're doing it. Winter is casually, kind of very slowly coming to an end. Um, we started a brand new series last weekend that we are calling Dress Code. And I'm really excited about it. The, the main premise being that following Jesus comes with a dress code. That if you're following Jesus, there are things that you need to be equipping yourself with and, and preparing yourself with so that you are ready to kind of face the battle that will inevitably come your way because we are absolutely in a battle, aren't we? We, we talked a little bit about spiritual warfare last week and, and talked about how I know that's a little weird maybe initially, but there's this biblical reality that we are in a war and it's not against flesh and blood, it's not a physical battle that you can see with your eyes, but it's against our enemy and these unseen authorities that, that are kind of all around us. And, and so we need to be prepared. We need to be equipped for this battle because our enemy hates us, right? This is, this is what we learned. He hates us. It, it's his desire to steal and kill and destroy. Uh, he's prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Like he's after your faith. He's after your family. He's after the church. He just wants to kind of destroy all that stuff because he hates Jesus and he hates everything that is good. So whether or not you like it or even you're aware of it, you are in a battle and it would be foolish to go into a battle unequipped. You don't want to go into anything unprepared or unequipped. Even like hockey, if you go into an ice hockey game, go into an NHL game, you hop onto the, like, over the boards, you're wearing sock feet. 
right? You're wearing jeans and a hoodie, and you just start like slowly shuffling across the ice. Everyone's flying by you on their skates. You you don't have a chest protector. You're not wearing a helmet. You're not prepared. There's no gloves or anything. And, And some goon on the other team like lines you up, and he just comes flying at you, just obliterates you into the board. Like, you're dead. You're dead. You can have your funeral here. We'll even say nice things about you, even though you foolishly went onto the ice unprepared. You, you wouldn't do that. And so if you know that, that you are kind of entering a battlefield and the stakes are much larger and much greater, w- wouldn't you want to be prepared for that? No one wants to be helpless in this battle. No one wants to be kind of vulnerable out there in this battle. And so the Bible has given us this dress code And kind of the line we're using is that this is what to wear for warfare. This is what you put on to be in this battle. So it's kind of like we're learning what to wear. This is really kind of a wardrobe. Remember that old TLC show, What Not to Wear? It's like we're getting a spiritual makeover up in here. It's just like that, except there's demons and my name's not Clinton. But other than that, it's like practically the same show. It's not remotely the same thing. So last week we talked about the belt of truth. And we said that this needs to be our foundation. This is the thing we put on first because it's kind of the essential thing that ties everything else together. You don't go into battle without truth. And we learned the phrase, and I hope you all used it at some point this week, gird up your loins, right? And and this was, some of you are like, what did you just say from the stage? This is when you kind of get ready so that you can run out onto the battlefield. Truth is so vital. If the enemy is a liar, he is the father of all lies, his primary weapon is lying, then we learn that our primary weapon needs to be truth. We, we fight back against the enemy with truth, and so we need to know that truth and have a relationship with that truth. And so today, we're going to find out what the second piece of our wardrobe is. Let's go back to Ephesians 6 just for a quick refresher. Verse 13 It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in this time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. That is the goal. When this is all said and done, you're upright. Amen? So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, and then today, the body armor of God's righteousness. So today we're going to talk about the body armor of God's righteousness, which is super weird and churchy sounding. Uh, Maybe some of you remember the old classic translation that is the the breastplate of righteousness. So we we need to talk about this for a few minutes. Uh, Contextually for them, if you were in the military or the army, your your body armor or your breastplate was this big thing that kind of from, from neck to belt and it was just, it was chain mail or actual mail that was kind of fitted to go around you. It is the biggest piece of armor that you wear, and, and it covers the most parts of your body, specifically the really important ones, like your heart. Fairly substantial. All those things your rib cage is holding in. That's what your body armor is covering. So you can, you can gird up your loins all you want. It's not going to help you much if someone stabs you in the heart four seconds in. Right, So this, this is a fairly vital piece of the wardrobe, your, your body armor. Um, and, and so, in other words, you would never think of going out onto a battlefield without this. No, no soldier in his right mind would leave his, his body armor or his, his breastplate at home. So th- that part makes sense, but what about this part about righteousness? What does that even mean? Like, that's one of those 
not everyday words. That's just like purely a church word. No one uses it. Like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm going to stay home, focus on my righteousness. <laughs> oh, like no one says that, right? So what does righteousness actually mean? Well, the word righteous means it's something that is morally good, it is excellent, and it is upright. It's proper. It's the way that things are supposed to be. The Hebrew kind of definition actually has kind of the phrase, like, like it's straight away. It's not crooked. It's not bent out of shape. There's nothing out of whack. It's just kind of perfect straight down the line. It's just the way it should be. That's what the word righteous means. It's also, though, a relational term. You can be right with someone, right? And if you're right with someone, it means that, that you and them have a good relationship. There's nothing in the way. There, there's no, you know, back talk or awkwardness. There's, there's nothing like that. But you have their approval. You have their endorsement. They, they would look at you and say, yeah, we're good. We're right. And so that's kind of righteousness. Now, that is a really big one for us. We all want other people's approval, don't we? Right? Amen. Even the most cynical person who secretly in your head said, not me. No, you do. We all want some little part inside of all of us wants other people to like us, to think that we have value, to think that we have worth. I have something to offer. We want their approval. We want to, to impress people. Every single one of us. This is why you wear what you wear. You put it on, you're like, what will other people think about this? This is why you say the words that you say. How is this going to be received? Is this going to make sense? I don't want to open my mouth and, and say something that other people are going to think, oh, what a fool that guy is. This is why you post what you post on social media. It's not for you. It's for all of the other people who will see it. And you put it up there and you're like, what are they going to think of this? Is this going to be liked a lot? Is this going to get people's approval? Will this make people laugh? We, we are all living to some degree for the approval of other people. We want to be right with them. We, we want to kind of show people that we have worth and that we have value. Everyone at least has one set of eyes in the world that you are trying to impress. Nobody is, is not trying to impress any. That is a super double negative. <laughs> You're all trying to impress someone. And that's okay. That's normal human emotion. That, that's why we're wired the way we are. This is, this is why emotions like embarrassment and shame actually exist. Because what are they other than a way of feeling like, ooh, I just did something I wasn't supposed to do. What is everyone thinking right now? I, I just said a thing that I shouldn't have said. I have regrets about what I just did because they all saw it or they all heard it or they all took it and I'm a little bit embarrassed right now. This is, this, I, I walked into a room and everyone's laughing at me. I walked into a room and everyone that was whispering stopped. And you're like, what are you thinking? Have you ever done, has that ever happened to you? Isn't that super like uncomfortable? I don't like it when people are laughing and I don't know why they're laughing and I just entered the room. I, this actually happened this week at the drive-thru. I drove up to the window and the girl was looking at me and laughing. I was like, what did I do? What did you see? Was I picking my nose? I have no idea what you noticed in the car. But I was super paranoid about the stranger at the drive-thru window. This even happens with me and you guys when I'm up here preaching. And it's not funny, but some of you are laughing. And I'm like, what? What? Did I accidentally swear again? Is my fly down? These are things that have happened. 
No one should be laughing in my vicinity unless I have said jokes. Right, see, that's okay. That's fine right now. It's when you do that and I'm not trying to be funny that you're like, what? We're all paranoid. We care what other people think. This is why when you trip over your own feet at the mall, you're like, I hope no one saw that right now. Act casual, right? Like nothing. Strangers, people you don't even know, you care what they think. We want approval, we want to impress people, we want to be right with people, I want to be held in high esteem. This is a natural human way to live, and so we, we want to be right with as many people as we can, and so we want to be righteous and we want other people to think we're righteous, and so we live accordingly, speak accordingly, act accordingly. There's just one small problem, church. We are not righteous. Not even remotely. Not even close. Um, here's, here's what scripture tells us about this. No matter how hard we try and convince ourselves and other people and even God how right we are. Here's, here's how many people the Bible says are righteous. This is Romans 3.10. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous. Not even one. That's the whole verse. That's... That's it right there. But how many are righteous, God? No, it's pretty clear. No one. No one is righteous. In fact, it was Jesus himself in the Gospels who said, no one is good except God. No one. None of us are good. I don't know if some of you are offended right now. You're like, this is rude. Rude, Lord. But we are born not righteous, which means we're not born kind of straight away perfect. We're born all bent out of shape and a little bit wrecked, a little bit in shambles. There, there's something inside of every one of us that when we are born, it is there, and it is our sinful nature. It's the sin problem in the planet. No one had to teach you how to be sinful. No one had to model to you how to be sinful. You see this in kids, the way that they're brought up. No one taught them how to be little lying terrors, tornadoes of destruction. But every one of them are. So it was a rough afternoon. This is why we're, we're born into sin. Every one of us, we try and act righteous. We try and act good and do good and say good. We try, I'm a good person. I'm friendly to my neighbors and pay my taxes and I go to, I go to church. Shouldn't that count for, for some amount of righteousness? That's not even close. Here's, here's the problem. This is Isaiah 64, 6. It says, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. <laughs> Isn't that great? Even when you're trying hard to be nice and good and right, the Bible says, filthy rags. It's garbage. It's worthless. Like, this, this is really hard. I came to church tonight to get encouraged. What is this nonsense? This... See, the problem isn't with doing good things. The problem isn't with saying nice things. Church, the problem is that we try and make ourselves righteous by doing good things. We try and make ourselves righteous by saying the right things. If I follow the pattern, if I learn the secret code and the secret words and go to church, then, then I will be righteous and I will have everyone convinced that I am righteous. And the Bible says, no, that is your mistake right there. You can't. You cannot make yourself righteous. Imagine... Imagine you have a car that's all just beaten right up. 
It is dented, huge hole in the fender, rust spots everywhere, and, and, and you're like, ah, this is, this is not good. But even internally, it is just completely messed up. Your transmission is gone. Your starter doesn't work. Your battery's dead. Those are all the only things I know about a car. So all, all, all the other things, your engine is broken? I don't know. Anyway, all that stuff happened to it. And so you, you try and sell it to this guy, and he buys it, takes it to a dealership, and they're like, we're going to clean this thing right up. They put a new fender on it, and they kind of buff out all the dents and the scratches, give it a new paint job. They wax it all up. It is shiny. It looks good. Your car will never look better than it does when it is at the dealership. It will never return to that state. And so people go by, and they're like, that's a nice vehicle. I would buy that vehicle. That's very nice. But what they don't know is they didn't fix the inside of it. So the transmission is still gone, and the engine is toast, and nothing is working like it's supposed to work. See, a vehicle is more than how it looks. It is a mode of transportation. It is to get you from here to there. If it doesn't do that, it is worthless. It's garbage. It's not doing anyone any good. The exterior might look fine, but, but it's what's inside that is all beaten up and broken and mangled, and, and no one wants that. That's not going to work for you. And so some of us were like, no, I'm going to make myself look good. I'm going to be righteous, say righteous things. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to look shiny. My exterior will be great. Everyone will think, well, that is a fine, upstanding young person. And inside, you will be a mess. See, it's your inside that's broken in the first place, and you can't fix it. You can't, well, I'm going to go to church. The pastor will fix me right up. I can't fix your transmission. That's, sounds like something a doctor should do for you anyway. I don't know. But it's, it, if our goal is to impress people and, and get their approval, you might be able to pull that off for a little while. But church, that's not our goal. That's not why we exist. That's not what we're here for. All that stuff is performance-based, results-based activities. And it's really not about other people. Our goal in this world, church is that we live for God. We live for his opinion of us, his approval. What does he think of me? What does God say about me? How does God think about me? Right? Because isn't, isn't that what our eternity is kind of riding on? It's, it's on what he thinks about us. Right? I want God's approval because one day I'm going to stand before him and whatever he says about me is going to be that make or break moment that's going to have a lasting impact on my life for all of the rest of my days. And so I want to know if I make the cut. Bad news. It's a pretty high bar. Here's, here's who makes the cut for Jesus. This is Matthew 5:48. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, that should be easy, right? If that's all you have to do to be righteous, you just need to be as perfect as God himself. We're on the right track, right? Like if that's God's standard, if he says, you've got to be perfect like I am, the only people in heaven are perfect, my bar up here, it, it is perfection, guess who's getting in? Nobody. None of us. Make the cut. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and what? Fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short. And so what do we do? Right? That's what we want to know. What do I do? No, that's what got you into this mess. I want to do something. Here's the truth of the matter. You can't do anything. 
You can't do anything to make yourself righteous or perfect. This is what he does. This is only something that he can do. And, and this is the best part. This is the best news. You won't hear better news. Tonight, I am not overstating to say you will never hear better news for the rest of your life. God lets us wear his righteousness. God says, you don't look like you have very good righteousness. Why don't I take mine off and put it on you? Isn't that incredible? And that's, that's the most astounding, unbelievable news. Have you ever borrowed clothes from a friend? Right? You're like, sometimes it's just like, ooh, I like that shirt. I want to wear that sometime. I want to see what that looks like in someone who looks good. Right? Like that's, you would never say that. Don't say that to someone. Sometimes it's just like, I remember when girls always wanted to wear their boyfriend's hoodies. I just want to wear his hoodie. It smells really nice. I don't think my wife ever wore one of my shirts. Maybe once, and she was like, gross. And it never, never happened again in my life. Uh, I remember one summer I traveled uh, for my Bible college, Kingswood University now, and, and we had to go to youth camps all across North America, week after week after week. I think we did nine or ten of them. And, and I know that some of you understand what I mean by this, is that most clothes don't last a single week of youth camp. Right? You ever sent your kids to youth camp and they came home with like one shirt? That's all that remained. Clothes don't last long at youth camp and we had to go from one to the next one to the next one to the next one. And, and here's the thing, like I'm 19, there's no laundromat at youth camp. No one, and even if there was, I don't know what I'm doing at a laundromat, right? It's not gonna, I, I'm not, I've never done laundry in my life. Yeah, did I just get applauded for that? Um, <laughs> Needless to say, by the midpoint of the summer, I had legitimately run out of clothes. Some of them were in Texas, some of them were in the garbage, some of them were at the bottom of the ocean, right? They're just, they're just gone. And so we would roll into a youth camp and all these youth camps would have their own clothing line and we'd be like, wow, those are nice camp t-shirts. You should let us promote your camp. And there's, yeah, great idea. And we'd like stock up on camp shirts. We were traveling with other Wesleyan universities and other kind of Christian universities. And so we'd be like, can we have some of your clothes? I wore more clothing from Indiana Wesleyan that year than the actual university I was working for and promoting. I just, I just ran out of clothes. I needed to borrow a whole bunch of other people's clothing. And, and it, was, it was great. Like, yeah, I need to wear your shirt today. It's the only way I'm going to get by. So here's the unbelievable truth here, church, is that God kind of takes off his righteousness and he lets us wear it. He, he kind of lets us borrow his righteousness, but it's not even borrowing, you just keep it. You can keep it, you can wear this from here on out. That means that God's perfection, God's goodness, God's righteousness, that's what we're wearing now. I just... Do you understand how unbelievable this is? That you, you are wearing God's goodness and perfection. He says, I am the only one who is good and righteous. And now you get to put that on. You get to put on Christ's righteousness. Not because of anything I've done. Not because of anything we've earned. Not because we, we had somehow enough value. Yeah, we've earned this. No, no. It's only because of God. This is what Romans 3.19 says to us talking about the law, which was all those rules and regulations that the church had to follow in the Old Testament. 
Paul writes, obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For all have sinned, right? We're all in this boat together. Verse 20, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. I want to repeat this one line again. No one can be made right with God by doing. You can't do it. You can't earn it. It's not about your performance. It's impossible. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Verse 21, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. Without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Isn't that unbelievable news? That when you take on Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you say, all right, I'm I'm handing you the keys to my life, you're driving, you're in control, I'm living for you from here on out. We call that moment salvation. When you get saved and give your life to Jesus, in that moment, you are instantly made righteous before God. You are instantly made new, a brand new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. It is no longer I that lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. Over and over and over, Scripture reminds us and tells us, admonishes us, you are wearing the righteousness of Christ. You are wearing the the goodness of God. It is inside of you. This is not just an exterior thing. You, You don't look different on the outside. What's happened is a dramatic transformation from the inside out. And you are brand new. You are wearing God's righteousness. Our righteousness wasn't good enough, was never gonna be good enough. It was filthy rags. And we were walking out onto a battlefield completely unprotected. And God said, here, why don't you wear mine? And he takes it off and he puts it on us. And he says, now, now you're wearing my righteousness. Now you look like I look. Church, I I can't oversell how unbelievable and miraculous this is. And and here's the thing. It frees us from performance-based religion. It frees us from from that legalistic mindset that says, no, you've got to earn it. You've got to match up to someone's standards. You've got to follow all these laws. You need to to look good enough and act good. And, And this just says, no, that's absolute crazy nonsense. Jesus Christ made you brand new the day that you gave your life to him. And now you wear his righteousness. Good news, we don't have to keep trying so hard. The work is done. It is finished, I believe he said. And it's his job now to complete the good work that he has began in you. You, This is hands-off, church. And God does the work in us. Here's what this means for us. This is Romans 5.1. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place, listen to this, of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Crazy. Now we are at peace with God. Now he looks at us and like, we're good? Yeah, we're good, man. 
We're right? Yeah, no, everything's right. There is nothing in the way anymore. Sin was in the way, not true anymore. But we're all good. Everything is great. And you can, you can joyfully and confidently look forward to sharing in God's glory. Remember Romans 3.23, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. And now, now I'm privy to that. Now, now I get to celebrate with God. Now I get to be with God. Now, now when I stand before him at the end of my days, he's going to look at me and say, looks good, man. Looks good. I like what I see. Not because of anything I did but because I am wearing the righteousness of Christ. He is satisfied with what he sees. And now here's the big change. Now because we are righteous, we will go do what's righteous. That's the right order. It used to be, well, I have to do nice things to make myself righteous. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm going to make you righteous. And now that you are, you're going to want to do good things. You're going to want to do what's right because I've changed your character. I've changed your nature. And so instead of something that you have to do to perform and measure up and keep track of, you're just, you're just going to want to go do good things because you are wearing the righteousness of Christ. And so your faith now looks righteous, but you're also going to want to do what's righteous. This is what James kind of talks about when he, when he says, faith without works is dead. In fact, let's look at James chapter 2. Starting in verse 14, he says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? What's, what's the point in saying, no, I'm, I'm righteous with God, but you're not doing anything about it? He says, can that kind of faith save anyone? And he jumps down to verse 17, and he says, Faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. But do you see his order? Faith and then deeds. It's, I, I have faith, so now I'm going to go do something about it. It's not, I better do something to build my faith. I, I better do something to earn my faith. I, I better work hard at this so God likes what he sees. It's, no, I have faith. I got it from Jesus, and now I'm going to go live it out in my life. And if you keep reading through James chapter 2, you'll find a verse in here that kind of seems like it just completely undoes my entire sermon. You'll read it and think, Mark is a huge liar. I wrote most of my sermon before I read this, and I was really upset with James for quite a while. I had a little chat with him, realized we were Protestant, we don't talk to the dead. But I, I digress. Here's the verse, verse 24. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do not by faith alone. They're like, what? No, we just read the opposite of that 14 times from Scripture. But no, listen, the word there is shown. We are shown to be right. And, and he's talking about Abraham, who had faith and said, yeah, God, I'll obey no matter what you ask me to do. And God's like, go up on that mountain and kill your kid. And Abraham was like, what? And he does. He takes his kid up to the top of that mountain, and just before he's about to kill him, God's like, no, you, you proved it. That's good. I knew that you had faith. I just wanted to see if you'd do something with it. I knew you had faith, but I wanted to see if you had obedience. I wanted to see if there was trust. See, that's how you prove your faith. That's how you show your righteousness is by actually doing something. So it's not that you earn your righteousness, but now that you are righteous, you're going to want to do good things. And if you don't, James is kind of questioning your faith. Not so sure you've got it. 
Faith without works is dead. I, I want to see faith and obedience. If you are right with God, go do what's right for God. And so we need both. You can't just borrow God's shirt for a while and then walk around and be a jerk. People are going to notice. They're going to be like, God's name's on that shirt. You're giving him a bad name. You can't just walk around in God's righteousness and, and, and not use it. And so we have to change the way we live. Our inward nature changed. Our outward actions should now change because of that. Here's why it's armor. Here's why Paul says in Ephesians 6, so you should put it on as, as body armor of God's righteousness, because this is the craziest part of the whole thing, is that you will forget every single day that you are wearing this. Don't we? You'll wake up at a bed, and, and, you'll, and you'll think, well, i got to work hard at it today. Got to make God happy today. Got to show everyone I'm a good Christian today. And Paul is like, no, 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 wake up and put on your body, body armor of righteousness. Put on God's righteousness. Remember that you're wearing it. Because the enemy would want nothing more than for you to forget that every single day of your life. He will get in there and he will lie to you every day. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. You're not impressing anyone. You don't have anyone's approval. You're not going to cut it. You're, just, you're not going to make the cut, the standard. No, it's, and he just lie, 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 lie. And, and Paul says, no, you got to wake up and put that body armor on. It's not that it left you, it's that we forget we're wearing it. We forget that I'm wearing God's righteousness. You'll forget whose righteousness you're actually wearing. And we'll fall back into our old ways. We'll fall back into uh, legalism. This is why we have legalistic Christians, because they're still convinced they have to do something. I've got to cross all my T's and dot all of my biblical I's and follow all of the rules, and only then will I be good enough to make it. And God's like, no, you made it. You're righteous. Just put it on. Remember you're wearing it. Remember whose you are. Remember what I say about you. And I say that you are blessed. I say that you are holy. I say that you are pure, that you are beautiful, that you are my child, and, and there's nothing you can do to take that away. You're wearing my righteousness. So put it on. Remember. Every day, remember that you're wearing it. It sounds crazy to, to forget to put on something so important, but it happens every morning in my house. On a school day especially, I will hear someone say, where did my pants go? Has anyone seen my shirt? Like, ah, sometimes it's even the kids. <laughs> the enemy hates this truth that we are the righteousness of God, that we are wearing that. He hates it. It's body armor that he can't even put a scratch on. This is body armor that he can't ever dent. He can't ever give it a rust spot. He can't ever do anything to damage it. We are wearing God's righteousness. He hates it. So the only way he wins this fight, because remember, this is not a physical battle. This is a mental, this is a spiritual battle happening in your mind. The only way he will convince you otherwise is to lie to you day after day after day. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. You don't have anyone's approval. And so we've got to combat that with God's righteousness. And, and also what we learned last week with truth. We, we've got to fight lies with truth. So I want this challenge for all of us this week. This is what I want us to do. I want us to combat those lies this week. Every time it pops into your head with Romans 8.1. I want us to know that verse, memorize it, and, and declare it every day, however many times you have to. Here's what it says. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. 
None. There is no condemnation, which means if you ever have a condemning thought that enters into your head that says, not good enough, not great enough, not going to make it, don't make the cut, you're a lousy Christian, you're an awful husband, you're a terrible wife, what an awful friend, you're not smart enough, you don't look good, all those condemning words, you did no way, it's all lies, it's all lies, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We get to condemn condemnation. We can condemn condemnation back to hell, where it came from. Because he is a liar, and he is an accuser, and it's his only weapon. And God's righteousness is so good and protects us from that. But we just need to keep reminding ourselves. A few verses later, same chapter, verse 12, Paul writes, So therefore, dear brothers and sisters, listen to this. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You have no obligation to listen to those lies, to hear those lies, to act on those lies. He's going to lie to you this week. No, work at it. Work harder. Perform. No, I don't have any obligation to do that whatsoever. The Christ who is in me is greater than any temptation I will ever face. The Jesus who resides in me is greater than any desire that I want to do that goes against that. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen. So you don't have to believe the lies. You don't have to act on the lies. You're under no obligation. You don't have to believe every thought that pops into your head. Anything that lies about who you are, you listen to who he says you are and what he says he's done for you. We win this battle. We're made right. It's the, one of my favorite lines from one of my old favorite hymns. Yes, I have favorite hymns. It's a thing. And it is the line that says, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Unbelievable. I will stand before him someday, and he will see no faults. Because I'll be wearing his shirt, and we're going to be good. Isn't that good news? Put on your body armor this week church. What we did last week to help us remember this, we gave out red hangers. And what we want you to do with these every single week is put something on this that you know you're going to wear tomorrow. Whatever your shirt is, or if you don't know what you're going to wear tomorrow, or if you don't get dressed till 3 p.m. and you roll out of bed, whatever. Put your shoes on this or your watch on this, whatever you know you're going to absolutely put on. And this is going to be your daily reminder to say, all right, I'm also putting on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm also putting on my belt of truth. I'm equipping myself for battle today. I don't have to listen to lies today. And so we would love every single person to get one of these. With hundreds of them walked out our door last weekend, which was great. If you weren't here, we want you to get one. So these are in the coffee room. All of the hangers on our coat rack. We threw them all away and we bought red ones. Go steal them. We want every person to have one of these this week. May it be your constant reminder to put on the body armor of God's righteousness because you are who he says you are, and and that is an unbelievable truth. We should celebrate that. Amen? Amen.